Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Bean AMA. I guess we'll wait maybe one or two more minutes for any any late arrivers, but it looks like we already got a, a full house. Great. Uh, Publius, how are you doing? Well, uh, honestly, we just had a whole crazy past 15 minutes uh, uh, an emergency at home, but... Uh, Glad we were able to clear it up with like 10 seconds to spare. So we're happy to be here. Oh boy, sorry to hear that, but glad glad you resolved it. Hopefully it wasn't being protocol related. Not being call related, uh interrelated. So uh you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, well well to be clear, hopefully it wasn't also related to your health. Uh, you know the the health, the personal health, does matter more than the health of the protocol. Let's not get carried away. But glad, glad you're here. I, I was unharmed, but uh, another member of uh, of the household was harmed, so I had to take care of that. So glad we're uh, glad we're here. But that's neither here nor there. Perfect. Perfect. Um, let's let's get maybe give it one more minute, and then we can get started. Does that sound good? Sounds good to us. And then I apologize in advance. I'm just in a public place. I'm outside. Oh, hopefully I'm near a couple of big whales with the 100 ETH, but uh, I'm just outside. So if there is any background noise or anything of that matter, uh, I apologize in advance and I will go on mute when I'm not talking. Great. So far, you sound pretty good. All right, well, look, we got around 40 people in here, and these normally go for about an hour, and I do want to stick to time. I know folks obviously have other things going on, so why don't we get started? Uh, it's been, obviously, you know, a crazy time over the past couple of weeks. The last AMA we did was at, I believe, the end of October, and this is the third Ask Me Anything that we're doing, so... Welcome everybody in the Bean community. If you're whether you're new, whether you've been here, and whether you just literally joined uh, a minute ago, it's been an absolutely amazing time since the inception of the project. You know, I joined the Bean community in the beginning of October after I had first, uh, you know, Bean Merchant had told me about this project, and you know, I joined excitedly, and it's been an exciting ride ever since. You know, obviously, if you look at the protocol statistics and you're looking at the activity, we're, we're just absolutely crazy right you know we're looking at sky high apys on the silo silo lp side and of course on the debt side it's been a wild ride from you know i remember when there was so much available soil and beans were trading below a dollar well below a dollar and now we're at a point where you know it's uh it's almost like you know we're, we're the the stable coin is very stable at a premium right you know I, I heard it was a stable coin i want my money back um, so very crazy stuff. I think today, the purpose of today is obviously to ask questions about what's happening, but generally speaking, you know, this is a community event and we really do want the community to stay and be involved. I think we've seen a lot of examples over the past four weeks, if not two weeks of community members really stepping up and helping drive different elements of the project forward, whether it's with being, uh, being FTs or, or even looking at you know the finer points of the bean algo and the bean mechanism, and putting forth different proposals, or even just trying to understand you know what are the different ways that we can help grow the project. Uh, obviously, if you look at liquidity over the past you know very recently over the past couple of weeks, you know liquidity has more than doubled, and we're still at a point where you know the, one of the reference points that I like to look at is 
you know, on Uniswap, you can look at a lot of the stablecoin pools, and many of these pools are in, you know, in the order of several hundred million, if not more than a billion. And right now, our liquidity pool is, you know, I haven't looked at the statistics recently, forgive me, but maybe around 11, 12, 13 million dollars. So plenty of room to grow, plenty of exciting things ahead. Uh, two or three ground rules before we get started. Uh, if you have questions, feel free to put them into the AMA questions channel, which I'll be checking periodically, but obviously also, uh, once we get going, you can raise your hand here. If you're new to discord, you know, I'm looking at my phone right now. If you're on the desktop, you should see this icon too, but at the bottom, there's usually a hand raise symbol. Uh, you could do that and on your icon, we'll see that your hand is raised. We can bring you up to the stage and then just make sure to be unmuted. Uh, there's also a mute button. It's the microphone, whether you're on the phone or whether you're on the desktop, you can click that. And if there's a cross through it, you're muted. If there's no cross, uh, you're unmuted. You can ask your question in general, just as the community grows and from the perspective of just safety and security, no one from the bean community or, or especially, you know, the Publius team, but no one from there, there's no bean help desk. No one's going to be out to you and DMing you and asking for your wallet info or or the finer points of security. So if you are getting any kinds of messages like that, you know, I'm in New York, I'm in New York right now. You know, if you see something, say something, right? If, if there's bad actors or if there are people that are doing things like that, please make that clear because no one from the Bean organization or, or the Bean community should be doing that. And then more importantly, um, in general, you know, obviously, and not that I would expect this kind of behavior, but because we're all adults, but obviously, you know, this is a, a plain ice environment. Um, we're trying to learn more, not just about the protocol, but also brainstorm about how the community can get more involved and how we can move this project forward. So that's the spirit in which we're doing this. And, you know, I'm super happy to, to get this started. So, you know, with us, we have the development team uh, goes by the name Publius here on the stage. And let's get this going. So, you know, Publius, why don't we just kick off with a quick update about, you know, where, where your head's at and, and maybe a little introduction about what's going on here in Bean. Well, thank you, IPO and Joe, for hosting. And uh, I apologize if you hear a little sniffles. I'm a little under the weather. But uh, to lead off, uh, a polite uh, correction would be that we can no longer claim to be the development team uh we're just a part of the development team at this point because one of the big updates around Beanstalk over the past couple weeks is the incredible development team that and also just operational team and community that has started to grow around beanstalk so uh Oblius remains the founder uh, but we're very enthused by the increase in engagement uh, development and focus from new high quality members of the community and there have been a couple of EDPs that have passed recently uh, and I've also been proposed recently to add really high quality people to the Beanstalk Farms development team and we're really thrilled with the pace that things are starting to pick up so when we look at from an economic perspective, there's a lot to talk about in terms of what's going well and what can be improved further. Uh, and then also on the on the development side, uh, the community and the development team and the marketing and operations side, I think it's all getting us incredibly excited for what's to come. And uh, the, the main point of 
of our, our attitude about what's going on today is given the massive increase in demand for bean stock and for beans, it makes sense to dramatically increase the size of the team even further. And so as we think ahead to what the Q1 budget proposal for bean stock farms will look like, you know, whereas the Q4 budget was $200,000, bean stock was a, a fraction of the size that it is now at, you know, when, when the proposal was made at the beginning of October. And so we're thinking on the order of something like a thousand bean, uh, excuse me, a million beans uh, for the Q1 Beanstalk Farms development budget. And the hope is to dramatically grow out our operational uh, and development capacities in an entirely decentralized fashion. And we're, again, we're, we're thrilled by the progress, but in order to keep pace with the massive growth of Beanstalk on the economic front, we want to make sure that we're able to surround Beanstalk with enough high-quality development that operates in a, in a truly decentralized fashion. So this is all very exciting, and we're, you know, we're happy to and excited to answer everyone's questions about various economic uh, intricacies that are obviously up for debate in some of the chats. Full disclosure, we haven't, especially over the past week or two, as things have increased in activity in the Discord, we've stopped reading every message in the Discord for the first time, which on the one hand takes, you know, is a little bit uh, nerve-wracking for us because we're so interested in what everyone is saying. But on the other hand, we have so much development work to do. Uh, we simply can't keep pace with the, with the volume of messages, which is obviously, in general, a very good sign for the growth of the community. So uh, that sort of... That's sort of the, the two-second version or the two-minute version of what's going on. But to paint a, a picture about where we think this is going a little bit, you know, without being too uh, over-hyper, just looking at it from an economic perspective, which is given the current amount of pods, which is over 270 million pods, the bean supply of over 44 million, uh, you have to multiply 270 times two, which is 540. So bean stock is being valued at uh, at least $585 million on the debt side, which is very exciting. And we feel like, especially given that the current bean price is so high, that that's an indication that bean stock is in a good position to start to pay off a lot of its debt and decrease the pod line and the pod rate specifically. Uh, and if you look at the pod rate, the pod rate has come down from over 670%, if I recall correctly, to now almost 600%. And things like that are general indications that the system has started to deleverage. And when we when we consider where we are at in the grand scheme of things, ESD, which was, as we've spoken about, was sort of where we got our, our, our inspiration from, and we thought we can do much better than this, was, was launched in late August of 2020 
and never repegged after mid-December. And Beanstalk and, 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 and ESD maxed out around a market cap of around 500 million. So Beanstalk has now been around for uh, since early August, and it's now about to be the beginning of December. So it's around the longest living, especially given that the price is above one and you know just returned below one for a very short period of time uh, over the past hour or two, but is now back above one. It's evident that Beanstalk is going to continue to grow. And even if you consider, and we assume we'll be asked a little bit about how the soil changes that are uh, in a draft proposal for a potential BIP-6, uh, how that will affect the pod line and debt going forward. When you consider that currently Beanstalk is being valued at almost $600 million and is is continuing to pay off debt and deleverage, when it does pay off all or most of its most of its debt, it'll be in a very good position to continue to grow further from there. And so our main focus is over the next couple of months as that happens, and there may be oscillations significantly below the peg and above the peg in the meantime, we're focused on starting to really establish a, a diverse, uh, strong, really high quality development and operational infrastructure around Beanstalk. Uh, and that starts with a strong Beanstalk Farms development team and operational team. But obviously, as we've talked about, the hope is that this is also sourcing talent for people that are ultimately going to start their own development teams uh, and work on their own uh, things on Beanstalk or around Beanstalk. So there's lots of ideas for integration and areas for growth we're happy to talk about, and there's a ton of different stuff going on. So, uh, you know, in the next hour or two, we'll hope to cover as much as possible. Okay, absolutely. And great to hear that the development team, the building out of the development team is coming along. You know, of course, we had a little issue over the past few weeks where, you know, you uh, the team, the Publius team stepped in and had to fix, you know, on the back end of things, the issue with the silo, either printing too many beans for some folks or printing too few beans. Um, I, I guess, do you want to talk about that a little bit just to kind of give the community a summary of what was going on, what happened, and then, you know, what will happen moving forward if issues like that arise? Sure. So, and a lot of this was discussed at much more length uh, in the class that was held last Tuesday, so a week ago, uh, which was on the, you know, the just a few hours after the pause happened. But the, there are a couple things that we really want to highlight. One is that we were really reluctant to pause Beanstalk, and there were multiple other instances where we've been made aware of small bugs uh you know that are very similar in terms of they were also uh, misallocations of beans to different silo members and when we did our initial research it it was evident that it was on a much smaller order of magnitude than uh the misallocation that we were made aware of last tuesday and especially given that beanstalk was growing so quickly as there seemed to be a massive inflow of capital on tu Tuesday, uh, that that made it such that 
misallocation appeared that it was going to get much, much worse. And given that Beanstalk is at such an early stage, and all of our supporters are sort of uh, expecting one thing, uh, we felt like it was a very low cost in terms of a risk to the protocol, uh, but uh, in a high benefit decision to pause Beanstalk for a short period of time. And, you know, the other thing we want to highlight is the decentralization aspect of it. One thing we've been very open about or tried to be as open as possible about is that uh, the Publius wallet address, the deployer of the Beanstalk contract, still has unilateral ability to change the Beanstalk contract into pause Beanstalk. And over time, we really hope to have that privilege remo revoked. And, you know, we, we hope to even be able to pro propose a BIP to remove that privilege. And that's something that is largely a function of how robust uh, the security of Beanstalk is and how strong it appears. And there's a couple things to keep in mind here. And obviously, as the value of Beanstalk grows, the interest in attacking it also grows. And so over time, it will demonstrate some aspect of security. But, uh, you know, one of the things that we were very excited about is that there are two audit BIPs that both appear to already have a majority and with a couple days left, you know, could still even potentially reach a supermajority. And we, we've already received documents from those, from those audit firms. And as soon as those fundraisers get started and funded, we can start having Beanstalk audited. And that's going to be a major step towards starting the conversation of what else needs to happen for for ownership privileges to be revoked and the only other thing we want to caution is over the next couple months there are going to be a ton of integrations added to beanstalk hopefully in terms of other decentralized exchanges other lending protocols other other chains and ultimately there is something to be said for having the ability to pause very quickly and especially given our experience over the past couple you know over the last week or so that situation uh, there is something to be considered about uh, potentially making the governance able to act even quicker uh, than just 24 hours and maybe make it an hour or two uh, but that's something that we're also open to hear from the community based on everyone else's experience and these are all these are all things that are open for consideration at the moment, and you know this is meant to be a collaborative process. Okay, thank you. Um, also, as a reminder, if you do have questions, feel free to just raise your hand in the Discord. Uh, on that point about integrations, that's obviously something that comes up quite a bit in the chat, and even for this AMA, people have had some some questions. Why don't we actually dive into that a little bit, given that it's been a common topic? With regards to integrations, what exactly is the the current state of this? You know, are there current conversations? Uh, and with regards to how, you, like, how do you feel? Which integrations would be meaningful? And are we thinking also of things like cross chain integrations? You know, for instance, getting into layer two and creating some version of Bean on layer two. So. The main point 
when it comes to integrating Beanstalk. And you can really think about it in two separate segments. One is integration with various protocols on a given chain. And then there's separately integrations with other chains. When it comes to integration with, and we could just think about currently Beans on Ethereum, the Bean ecosystem is still not fully formed, meaning stock and seeds and silo beans are not liquid and tradable. There's still a massive inefficiency in the bean price, and it's not yet at a dollar. And there's a couple efficiencies we think we can we can change in the model to make it further uh, maintain a much tighter peg to one. And over the next month or two, as Beanstalk continues to demonstrate an ability to oscillate over one, we think it's very reasonable to expect that other protocols will start to consider holding beans or holding deposited beans and making the beanstalk ecosystem develop internally so that it is itself robust will make it much better to integrate with other protocols. So one just example that makes it pretty clear why it's beneficial to have beanstalk continue to grow itself and let other protocols add or integrate Beanstalk over the next couple months gradually. Uh, and there is something to be said for we do want to really start to have an organized uh, integrations uh, management and, and operations and development front, uh, which is all going to hopefully be part of the QM budget. But when we think about the, the potential danger of an integration where Beanstalk isn't quite ready to support itself against larger attackers. We just have to be careful for what the integrations look like. So for example, we've talked about integrating with a curve pool and potentially in order to compensate for the fact that if you have a stable swap uh, style uh, pool with bean and three curve, the price of bean is gonna most likely get much closer to a dollar, which will mean that the beans or soil getting minted is much less than it, it currently is. And therefore, there's some reason to try to integrate the liquidity in the curve pool as well into the minting algorithm. But that opens Beanstalk up to a potential attack where somebody who has a billion three curve could just add the three curve to the curve pool because unlike Uniswap, where you have to add equal parts beans and ETH, for curve, you don't have to add equal parts bean and three curve. Therefore, you can uh, basically, if you assume that there's not a lot of liquid supply, you can uh, exploit Beanstalk and over, cause an over mint for a period of time uh, just by adding uh, you know, an arbitrarily large amount of three curve to the bean three curve pool. So uh, there's, there's a couple things that we've been thinking about as potential alternatives to A, bolster Beanstalk stability and B, sort of make Beanstalk ready to integrate with other protocols. But with regards to Curve specifically, we think Beanstalk is probably ready for a Bean 3 Curve pool, but it doesn't even need to necessarily be incentivized, and that will probably grow in due time. But the Uniswap Bean ETH pool is going to continue to grow because of the incentivized aspect of it, and it will continue to be a strong oracle for the price of a Bean. But uh, sort of an, a unique 
idea we've been working on internally on Beanstalk Farms and uh, one of the proposals that's out right now to hire Beasley, he's already started to kind of work on this and think about this, which is uh, that we're going to allow, hopefully, or we're going to make a, a proposal that will allow uh, people who have deposited beans or deposited LP tokens uh, to convert back and forth uh, when the price is above or below the peg, but only in that instance. So what that means is right now the price is too high above the peg. There's a ton, like 30 million or more deposited beans. Anyone who has deposited beans can convert those deposited beans to deposited LP tokens, get more seeds without even needing to contribute additional ETH. Uh, that will return the price to the peg and increase liquidity, and that will increase stability. And then you'll still have an increase in the bean price as reflected in the TWAP if the if the price throughout the season remains above a dollar. But this should basically cause a massive increase in liquidity in the bean ETH pool and also increase stability drastically at a dollar. So these are the types of ideas that we think can really take Beanstalk to the next level and allow it to integrate really nicely with other protocols. And in addition to just trying to set up like an internal organization to coordinate a lot of that development, we've also been told that uh, Beanstalk may, may start to be eligible for grants, potentially reasonably large grants to start to integrate with other protocols that want us to integrate with them. Uh, and that's very exciting. And community members like George B have been really excellent at coordinating a lot of that, and we're very grateful for for their efforts there. And there are some things that can be done additionally internally, uh, like potentially providing an Oracle suite, uh, depending on the unique applications like Linux protocols and the like. But in general, Beanstalk and Bean is more or less ready for integrations but the integrations will likely become more and more attractive for other protocols as Bean starts to oscillate tighter to a dollar, which again, we think is going to start to happen over the next couple of weeks as we continue to roll out BIPs that will improve the efficiency of the system and allow it to be leveraged while maintaining the price at a tighter and tighter peg. Got it. Thank you for that. Uh, looking at the stage, I think it's probably a good time to go for some questions. Rubisco, I see you with your hand raised. Going to try and bring you up on the stage here. Maybe Publius, I think you might have to do this. There we go. Uh, Rubisco, welcome to the stage. What's yeah. your question? Hi. Uh, IPO, thanks for hosting, and Publius, great job with everything. Thanks for answering questions, and community, hello. Thanks for communitying so well. Um, my question is about the, uh, the auditing BIPs. Um, I just wanted to kind of understand a little bit better the thought, the thinking behind doing two at the same time, because, you know, in the software world, you hire uh, QA firms to... QA, you know, your software and, and look at the code and, and help you, you know, figure it out and debug it. But there could be a certain amount of redundant, like if both of them are trying to do it at the same time, they might just find the same issues. And so there could be some inefficiency there if you're paying a lot of money for two different companies to be doing work that, you know, 
that might just be kind of redund unnecessarily redundant. So that was what I was curious about. So ultimately, we're not particularly convinced that any one audit is like a catch-all for security. And so I don't necessarily think that the sort of implied or the implication of your question, which is one audit will, will be good enough, uh, or one audit is sort of enough to get us started is, is correct. Instead, ultimately we want have a bunch, like a half a dozen or more high quality auditors review every piece of code that gets added to the Beanstalk Diamond before it gets deployed. But getting those relationships started early is important. And A, there isn't necessarily a priority of getting one before another. And B, we felt like getting them both started as soon as possible would allow us to spend sort of a concentrated period of time on our end internally potentially implementing any access to issues that they discover all at once. Whereas it's difficult for us to block out, you know, extensive periods of time to do things like that in very short order, uh, multiple times in a short period of time. So we didn't necessarily want to, want to stagger them. So uh, it was a little bit of convenience and uh, Publius, you may have more you want to add. Um, yeah, so just a few more things to add on to your response, Publius. The first of which is we spent a serious amount of time trying to find a quality auditor that we felt was good enough to, one, both, um, you know, audit the, the code of Beanstalk and two, be sufficiently experienced with the EIP 2535 diamond standard that Beanstalk implements. And we found that with um, Trail of Bits, they were incredibly competent in, you know, doing a deep dive into the code. And Amniska had previous experience auditing the diamond implementation. In addition, you know, the services they kind of provide are a little different. Amniska is going to do a lot more, um, you know, providing testing suites as well as, um, you know, gas optimizations. And then in addition, you know, just the fact that we were able to find two great auditors that we thought were of quality at the same time means it could be a potential missed opportunity if we weren't going to do both right away. Okay. Rubisco, any, any follow-ups? Is that? Oh yeah, I did. Sorry. Yeah. Kids were making noise outside. Um, that that helps, I think, to some extent, explain the question um, if they're doing things that are a little bit different. But I could also see that there would be value in a more iterative approach where you get the results of one audit and then implement the the results and then get another one on the the iteration that you just did. Be in in that way, you might be, like I was saying before, saving some redundant work where they're discovering the same issues and applying the funds and the energy of the auditors to two different iterations where they're not just going to deliver something that might be, you know, they found a bunch of the same problems. 
So um, I know it's probably not as simple as that, but it's not necessarily clear from where I sit in the community, like what the details are of what they'll be doing that's different and how the funds will be kind of efficiently spent in that way. So just to we agree that at some point it would be overkill to have the original unaudited code audited all at once by five or ten auditors. So we think that two is a relatively small amount to start with. But when you talk about, you know, being concerned about redundancy, if anything, what we want is redundancy in this instance. So what we're paying for is redundancy and specifically for high quality auditors to spend time doing things that are otherwise redundant because you could say look beanstalk is operating in the wild and is fine but ultimately none of that is redundant if if uh, at any point there are any vulnerabilities discovered so when we talk about where we want beanstalk to be three months down the road we want six auditors auditing beanstalk and we want them all looking at every bip uh, before it's proposed formally on chain and we want them all to comment on it sort of all at once because when we're trying to move product uh, as as a protocol and as a development team at Beanstalk Farms, the hope is that we'll be able to circulate the BIP to a couple different audit firms that are all familiar with the Beanstalk contract intimately and can give it a, a quick review uh, and hopefully a quick seal of approval and then be ready for formal introduction on chain. And ultimately, the hope is that we can have Beanstalk pay for auditors' time in advance and have potentially other community-led proposals or other proposals not by Beanstalk Farms even audited before they are uh, proposed. And so this is just the beginning of forming high-quality auditor relationships. And uh, starting with two, we felt like was a pretty conservative uh, start, especially given the rate that Beanstalk is growing at this point in time. That sounds great to me. Thanks for a good uh, um, high-quality answer. Appreciate it. I'll jump off the stage now. Awesome. Um, just looking down. Remember, if you have any questions or you want to ask anything, feel free to submit something in the AMA questions channel if you don't want to speak or you're not in a situation where you can, uh, or raise your hand down there. And thank you so much for your question, Rubisco. Those kids are making noise. Going to be making a lot more noise when these pods clear, I'll tell you that. But uh, security seems to be a theme in this conversation. Obviously, we've been taking some, you know, some measures with this BIP to improve it. And then we also talked a little bit more about potentially sustaining attacks. Uh, can you talk a little bit about attacks in general and what risks we are subjected to? Or maybe even if there have been attacks on the platform that we may not have been aware of. Obviously, if you look at the price chart, and we've talked about this before in previous AMAs, there has been a situation, or there was a situation earlier on in the history where I guess you can characterize it as an attack. We called it a pump and dump. But have there been other types of attacks reflected so, in the market statistics? So uh, the most notable one would be simple MEV or minor extractable value attacks on larger trades in the beanie pool. But that 
seems to have decreased to some extent as uh, the volume and the liquidity have increased, which is good. Uh, and then you talk about what are the exploits really been attempted. Uh, the the most notable, you're correct, is the original pump and dump that happened in the beginning of September, where people thought they could deposit assets into the silo and quickly leave and dump at a premium before a season of plenty, and uh, they lost a lot of money. So uh, obviously we've talked about that whole pump and dump at length and don't need to necessarily talk about it any further unless people have specific questions, but <coughs> excuse me. But uh, the the there are two attack vectors or classifications that you could generally group things into. One is on the technical side and the other is on the economic side. And from an economic perspective, that attack in September was more of an economic attack. And as Beanstalk continues to grow, it will become more and more resilient to economic attacks. And on the technical side, that is the benefit of having auditors uh, because they will bring deep expertise about uh, all sorts of uh, extensive histories of different exploits and attacks on smart contracts and open source code in general. Uh, and that will hopefully bolster Beanstalk against technical exploits. So where, where some protocols have really gotten gotten into trouble is something like with Compound where they had functions that didn't do necessarily what they wanted them to do and that caused a, a, an increase in the supply that was not appropriate. And Beanstalk does have uh, built into to every function effectively uh, a check on the supply before and after you start you, you make your transaction and that makes it resistant to uh, exploits like that, meaning that no one can conduct a transaction where uh, they actually change the bean supply unilaterally. So Beanstalk is designed to be very resistant to a lot of this stuff, but we still feel like having Beanstalk audited by, again, like Trail of Bits is a world-class auditing firm. So we're very excited to have them uh, really get their hands on our code. And we would just add lastly that we, the agreements that we signed with Trail of Bits, for example, actually includes uh, extra uh, time in addition to what they think the original audit will cost so that, uh, as Rubisco is sort of indicating, when there's a need to go back and uh, reanalyze uh, potentially an edited version or a, a revised, improved version of the code base, uh, we've already allocated enough beans and contracted them to, to be able to do that. So we're very hopeful that these are going to be long-term relationships that will make Beanstalk really resilient to uh, both technical exploits mainly on the audit front, but also on the economic front, because as we said, like the the main place where there's potentially wiggle room is when you have uh, uh, something on the borderline between technical and economic. Great. Very thorough. Looking down at the stage, I think we have a question from Farmer Joe's Bean Emporium. Emporium with uh, two squirrels. I like that. Can we, can we bring him up on the stage? If there's someone that can do that, I got to get this uh, this new feature here. Sorry. There we go. Uh, Farmer Joe, welcome to the stage. What's your question? Hello. Hello. I will just start by saying 
I love this project. Um, I'm very excited about the potential of the pod marketplace as well. So I really hope that that, that gets through. But um, my question was just around, uh, I, I think I was inspired by the last question around security um, and particularly the final comment there around key risks being the blend between economic and technical. Um, I noticed that, um, you know, in this last, I suppose you could call it bull run of Bean, uh, there was an incredibly large um, ETH so that occurred. And um, I suppose just just to um, uh, ask a question there, is that something that the, that the team has considered as, um, you know, creating a potential risk for um, people that um, are behind that sower in the pod line does that does that create a, any risks at all and has this been thought about in the system design and uh yeah that's that's just something that i'm thinking about given that i have some pods behind that uh behind that sower um yeah i'm just keen to hear some thoughts around that and um if that risk is um being is managed by the current protocol design well Ultimately, Beanstalk has harvested over 10 million pods over the past week. And that large seller has on the order of 10 or 15 million pods total over a couple different sows that have gaps in between. And so candidly, given the trading volume and the liquidity in the ETH pool already, uh, we would expect the protocol to easily be able to handle that. And over the past couple of days, it has been handling that type of volume. So uh, it does expose Beanstalk to some extent to an uh, exploit, if you want to call it that, where someone could harvest in bulk and dump all at once. But we feel like, especially given that that harvest and dump then cause a, a decrease in the pod line and basically give everyone a premium to buy below a dollar potentially. Uh, we think that there's sufficient demand or, or, or what we mean to say is that the system has approached sort of a sufficient network size where there seems to be enough demand below a dollar and we think there would definitely be enough demand well below a dollar if somebody wanted to dump beans in mass in an inefficient fashion we wouldn't be concerned about beanstalk not returning to the peg relatively quickly no, th thank you for answering that. That that's that um, that makes perfect sense. And actually, as I heard you say that, you know, it would be incredibly inefficient to dump. Um, and presuming that the person is, um, you know, like reasonably sophisticated, they would be disincentivized to dump all of it at once because they obviously would want to maximize, um, you know, the the um, the price at which they are able to, uh, you know, trade their beans for other assets. So uh, that would be a disincentive for them to dump as well. Um, so yeah, thanks for answering my question. That was all I had. Awesome, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I also hope the, you know, the person who sold 90 Ethereum, I hope anybody with 90 Ethereum you know, has, is a rational actor and is acting rationally and obviously if you look at the statistics currently in terms of the silo and the returns and potential 12-month returns there i i do think it looks like a natural transition for those who are harvesting pods but you know at the end of the day you know this is not financial advice um 
I guess keeping with that theme, Publius, of you know, looking let at the, re- the- let, let the let the record show that one wallet uh, sold two hundred and twenty-eight ETH, I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Ether scan is is wild. Uh, it really opens your eyes to how much cryptocurrency folks really have. Uh, um. What's going on here? Abe Bob. Is this expected? Yeah, go ahead, you. I, I just accepted. I just accepted. Is this, is, is this an attack? <laughs> no. You didn't give me an on ramp there. Uh, but but uh, is, that, is that a yes? I can ask a question. Sorry, Abe. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Abe. I just brought you on there. <laughs> yeah, definitely, Abe. Come, come, come ask, ask away if you want. Okay, no. Thank, thank you. Thing. I appreciate your time. I, I'm going to go the open-ended one, and, and you know, you've talked a lot about how you look at the world three months out from now, and I, and I guess uh, mine would be what you know. It, it, it almost goes into like a, a, a cliche startup question, but what what does keep you up at night on those risks? Is it more of the economic ones or um, the technical ones? Uh, and you know, maybe paint a picture of of what's on your mind, big picture, over the next three to six months of the project? Well, the, the answer is not one or the other. It's both in the sense that everything that we add to Beanstalk, whether that's another chain, a layer two, integrated DEX, the way we described we were thinking about integrating curve liquidity, all of those things are both economic and technical questions. So it's not one or the other. Instead, sort of the the thing that makes Beanstalk work is the marriage of economic and technical, which uh, a lot of this stuff is only made possible by uh, smart contracts and decentralized settlement. For example, the first in, first out online, you know, it's a lot harder to uh, give a loan to a closed private entity where they'll say oh yeah you get in the back of the line and we'll tell you when you're up like how do we know that you're not going to let your friends cut us so uh the fact that this is all happening on a decentralized network uh, allows all sorts of unique new economic uh, structures to exist so we're very excited uh to to be able to add new things to beanstalk and integrate have beanstalk integrated with lots of protocols but it's not one or the other. It's it's a combination. That, that makes sense. Uh, no, appreciate that. Thank you. Cool. A- anything else? Yeah, to to that point, Publius, um, about you know, folks, irrational acting, things of that nature, anything that could potentially cause economic issues from an actor. When you look at the liquidity pool, clearly, I do think a lot of this velocity on the protocol side of things over the last few weeks has really been driven by the dramatic increase in liquidity that we've seen over the last few weeks. Is there any, and we've asked for this analysis and some folks have put together some things, but from your perspective, Publius, in the liquidity pool, in the LP, what is the level of decentralization there? You know, when you know, we, we're talking about the pod line, obviously there are some folks that have big, big chunks of the pod line. But when we look at the LP, 
are there folks independently who may have, you know, 10% or 20% ownership in terms of the LP, where if they were to just get up and leave one day, it could potentially cause a situation? So, one of the beauties of the stock system and the overall structure of the mechanism is that it's designed to dilute everyone over time. So even if everyone makes money, their ownership of Beanstalk should decrease as the system expands. So in this case, from the chain data, it seems like a ton of the new liquidity that's been added has been sowers that perhaps only sowed and hadn't deposited any or much in the silo prior to this are now harvesting and using the tax efficiency from tip two and using that to, to effectively uh, add LP, and that is making the ownership in the silo and ownership of stock and ownership of liquidity more diversified and more diluted over time. So that has only started to happen, uh, and we expect things to get even more diluted over time, but uh, already that has started to happen. So when you ask about, like, where is this liquidity coming from, the vast majority of it is coming from harvestable pods that are harvesting their pods above a dollar and selling half into LP, excuse me, selling half into Ethereum and then adding that into the liquidity pool and doing that uh, in a tax-efficient fashion. So that's pretty encouraging when we think about getting Beanstalk to a place where there's no one actor that can uh, have such a large outsized effect on the protocol, uh, that process is well underway, but will obviously get better and better and better as the protocol continues to grow. You got it. Thank you. That's that's really good to hear. Uh, coming up on the hour here, it's eight twenty. Kicking off at around you know, seven thirty, seven thirty-two. I think you know moving forward for the next couple of minutes. Uh, obviously, in the absence of any questions. Do you want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned a draft BIP6, you know, I took a quick look at it regarding adjustments to the soil and potentially delevering or, or allowing the protocol to delever in a healthy way. Do you want to talk a little bit about BIP6 and why it's important that the protocol is not over-levered? Definitely. So, and yeah, we're not in a rush to go anywhere, and as there continue to be questions, we're happy to answer any and all of them. So, specifically, there's there's the question of is the pod rate coming down, which that is the general overall deleveraging of the system. The pod rate being at that level of the system is the best indicator of uh, how levered up the system is at any given moment. But ultimately, the, the expectation is that the pod rate will continue to come down if Beanstalk continues to grow so aggressively. But the fact that the pod rate isn't coming down that fast, even though there's uh, excess demand for soil every single season, that's an indication to us that the soil isn't being set as efficiently as possible. And so we've been thinking for a while about the best way to do this and to some extent this was one of the 
the things that we highlighted in the future work of things that could potentially be improved because figuring out how much soil to issue during the deleveraging process, keeping in mind that the main reason to issue soil is to have a way to price debt and to figure out whether the weather should be going up or down. Uh, it's very difficult to figure out how much soil is necessary on the one hand to make sure that you're getting an accurate reading of demand for soil, meaning if you issue zero, you know, a hundred soil, like that's the transaction fees are going to make it difficult to get a real gauge on demand for soil. But on the other hand, it's, it's not necessarily so you don't want to have it so that the soil is so much or so little that the pod rate either doesn't come down much at all or goes down to zero very quickly. So the solution that we came up with was instead of having the pot, the minimum soil uh, be a function of the minimum soil rate, which, which currently is hard-coded uh, as 0.1% of the total bean supply, we figured that it should actually, the soil... Uh, this season should factor in the weather, uh, which which is effectively the ratio between the, the soil issued and the pods that will be issued as debt on the other side, assuming all of the beans are sown in, in all the available soil. Uh, but, but the other thing it should factor in is the pods that were harvested at the start of the season. And therefore, if the bean supply is increasing net-net uh, and you, you're still having a sufficiently large amount of soil so that you can accurately measure demand for soil, well, then you can basically guarantee that even if there's uh, excess demand for soil every season while the weather is coming down, uh, the the most amount of pods that could get issued is such that the pod line doesn't decrease. But again, because the bean supply is increasing, the pod rate will start to decrease. So the pod line at most will sort of get locked in here as large as at its current length, as long as there's excess demand for soil, and that will allow the system to deleverage much more, much more effectively. Got it. Yeah, I mean, these soil wars have definitely been getting, uh, getting pretty heated. You know, it's like people are sniping soil left and right. It's, uh, you know, it's like American sniper out here. I, I guess maybe it, to to even be more general about things, you know, why is it important that? the platform does not operate with excess leverage. What are the risks of operating with more leverage than the platform needs? Well, leverage is, at least in theory, what would cause lenders to require a higher weather. So the ability to, to pay off debt and to decrease the overall debt level will have a positive feedback loop in this, will create a positive feedback loop in the sense that it will lower the weather, which lowers the cost of borrowing for beanstalk. And so beanstalk will have more legroom to issue debt during a, 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 any period where the price is less than one. And it should be able to attract significant lenders at a significantly lower weather if the pod rate can decrease significantly. So the debt level increasing will help beanstalk enter a more sustainable position. And the important thing to note is that Whatever ideal equilibrium is, whatever that weather is where the price is going to oscillate regularly above one and the debt level will be around 15%, around the optimal debt level, uh, it's unclear what that weather is. But as Beanstalk continues to oscillate uh, 
you know, uh, and sort of circle around, if you think about it in a two-dimensional space, uh, circle around ideal equilibrium, uh, we expect this type of volatility, but over over time, we do think things will start to settle down. So this is this is all natural, and the beauty of the system deleveraging is that it should naturally lower the the weather or the necessary weather to attract lenders, and so that is what creates the positive feedback loop that at some point should end the debt cycle entirely and get us back down to below optimal debt level. Got it. Super helpful. So we're coming up on the hour. I'm just uh, I'm just scanning here. Oh, Dumpling, what's going on? Do you have a question? Uh, no, no, I'm just hopping up. Uh, you mentioned uh, I could take things into overtime. Yeah, if we if we go into overtime, you know, I, I do have a, a thing that just came up. I may have to run a little bit after the hour, but you know, I'm obviously here and and talking. I. I, I guess you know. Looking forward, I'm just getting for questions. Looking forward, Publius, you know, we're we're happy to we're happy to stay for at least another hour. Uh, so Great. we understand if you have to hop IPO and chill, and we appreciate your uh, moderating the first half. But uh, you know, there seem to be a decent amount of questions, and uh, yeah, we're, we're thrilled that people are so interested and have so many questions. So we're happy to continue answering them as they pop up. Uh, so, Dumpling, not sure if you if you had a question, but uh, feel free to ask away, or otherwise we can bring someone else up here. Yeah, no, I, I think Dumpling can definitely help uh, help moderate. You know, if, after I leave, my my last or uh, you know one of the questions on my mind, which is something that we talk about at every usually every AMA, is you know, looking at the community and trying to. You know, obviously, we've seen many snapshots come up, and the community has already been very much involved in stepping up and doing things. But when you think about how the community can move forward in this new period of growth, uh, you know, aside from obviously voting on VIPs and commenting on snapshots, um, what are the community needs at this point forward, you know, relative to previous points in the protocol? So in the past, we've sort of expressed if you want to work on Beanstalk in some capacity, let us know. And at this point, we would expand that to say, if you know anyone uh, that you would like to have work on Beanstalk, you should try to connect us with them because at the pace Beanstalk is growing, uh, we're going to ultimately have to rely on our community to uh, recruit high-quality developers, high-quality operations people, high-quality integrations and partners in terms of other protocols that want to uh, specifically work with, you know, work, work to integrate Beanstalk as an early integration. Uh, a, a lot of that is going to have to be community-led, so we're, we're definitely trying to do our part to get the, get the Beanstalk firm's development team up and running and getting that infrastructure live, but right now we've got half a dozen devs, and we're trying to get uh, Beanstalk farms up to like two two dozen devs or so, you know, in the next month or so as we get this as we get this this budget for Q1 up. So our hope is to radically expand Beanstalk farms, and as we also mentioned, hopefully at some point get enough people working on Beanstalk that there can be at least a second independent development team working on Beanstalk. And this is all part of what the road to decentralization looks like. 
So uh, there's a lot to be done on this front, but we feel like that it's mainly going to have to come from the community. And so people that want to get involved or know people that they want to get involved now is a great time. And one thing that we think we're going to add, hopefully, to, or we're going to make part of the proposal for the Beanstalk Farms budget is allow the people that are employed uh, by or under contract, we shouldn't say employed, but under contract uh, from the the Q1 budget, they will be able to sow their beans independent of whether there is available soil, similar to how the fundraising mechanism for the audits work. So we think that's a great way to get really high quality, long-term attachment from developers and get them integrated into Beanstalk for the long run. And our hope is that uh, through the community, we'll be able to source really high quality developers and people on the front end to manage operations and communications with the community and things like that as well. Awesome. Thank you. And, you know, the, the last thing I'll, I'll ask before I hand it over to my, uh, my good buddy Dumpling here is what, and, and you've, in a way, you're alluding to this by demonstrating, you know, you're hiring two dozen developers and clearly building a lot of infrastructure. It obviously demonstrates a long term commitment to this project and a commitment such, you know, such that it, it can go on to exist without the Publius function necessarily handling every single thing that comes up. When you look across the world of cryptocurrency, especially DeFi projects, obviously there are plenty of things like reserve currency DAOs that pop up, like OM that we've talked about and many others. More, more often than we'd like, we do see projects that are commonly referred to as rugs or projects that on the surface look very, very promising, but it turns out that the, the folks running the projects had very bad or malicious incentives um, a bit of a controversial question, but I think it's worth asking, especially for some of the newer folks who are trying to learn more about the team behind this and where the project is going. Can you talk a little bit more about why it, you know, your long-term incentive or long-term commitment to the project and why that risk, you know, may or may not be a big risk here? That's a great question. And it's really important that people understand that even though at this point in time, community is still looking to us for a lot of guidance on where the protocol should go we are deeply committed to having Beanstalk get to a place where it is no longer reliant on Publius and we think that that is fundamental to the long-term success of Beanstalk but at the same time that's not that's not necessarily related to the risk of a rug and with regards to the risk of a rug, we would say, A, the, from the way we've conducted ourselves from the beginning, we've tried to put Beanstalk in a position where the ownership of Beanstalk is as diversified, decentralized as possible. And accordingly, uh, I, I truly believe that if today Google has sold 100% of our interest have a, a negligible effect on Beanstalk, and that's a hypothetical because we remain a deeply connected and deeply uh, invested mentally and uh, emotionally in the long-term success of the protocol. And furthermore, just in terms of incentives being aligned, we feel like 
there's no benefit in, in trying to cash out at all, whether we're you know, leading the way in some capacity or not, because if Beanstalk succeeds, you know, that's going to be amazing, and that will do well for everyone who's been a long-term uh, investor in Beanstalk, and we're not you know, it's not a so a. It's not like we have such a large uh, share that we could uh, affect the protocol or crush the protocol. B. We're really committed to the long-term success of the protocol. Uh, separate from C. You know, over the next couple months or a year plus, you know, we're going to be actively and deeply involved in the development of Beanstalk and getting it to a place where it's much much larger and much more self-sustainable. So. Uh, you know, all you can do is take us at our word, but we would do, we, we continue to do everything in our power to put Beanstalk in the absolute best position to succeed going forward and in general, and we would never take any action uh, that we believe would be to the detriment of the protocol, and, you know, that's, that's our promise to you. Got it. Um, I I do think you know there are some resources as well. You know, obviously the the treasury their scan is public, and there are some other things. Uh, you know, may, maybe there could be um, you know some more economic analysis on why that that would not be a meaningful route to go. But really appreciate the answer. Um, yeah, dumpling. I do want to hand it over to you. I, I highly highly apologize. I do have to run. However, this has been obviously very fun. I love hosting these and moderating these. And I do think they're very helpful for those listening who may have joined a little bit later. This is being recorded, so you will be able to listen to this in its entirety, which I'll definitely be doing um, afterwards. And then, of course, if you do have stock, there are some many proposals, whether on the snapshot side or the VIP side. So, you know, hopefully the same was a little helpful in, in maybe helping you figure out how you're going to vote. And I do recommend folks go and vote on some of these proposals. But thank you very, very much and look forward to listening to the rest of this later. Okay, well, uh, thanks IPO and Chill and Publius. Uh, and everyone, this is really exciting to see these grow from you know, 10 people, 12 people, all of a sudden you know, 50 people. This is really cool. Um, and you know, I see a lot of familiar faces out there, but I also see a lot of new people. So that's really cool to see. Um, so yeah, taking this into the second hour here, you have the uh, B team moderator, but I'll try to get people up here as they raise their hands. And uh, I have one or two other questions and things that I might chime in with as well. So um, Rubisco, we have you up again. Let me bring you up. Okay, Rubisco, round two. Uh, we can't hear you, Rubisco. You might have to unmute. Okay. Well, until we have, until we have you, um, one thing I wanted to bring up is we do have um, the funding just came through for the uh, merch project, so. Anyone who's been a member of three meetings uh, is now eligible for their green NFT merch, which is pretty cool. So you can uh, either DM me or you can send me an email at lawdumpling at protonmail.com. And then we can 
correspond there with uh, with your merch and what you would like, and I'm running that project. So, uh, Rubisco, how's it going? Shoot, we might have we might have to bring up another speaker here. Can you hear me now? Yes, can hear you now. Great, thank you. Not sure what happened there. Um, yeah, thanks for taking another question. Uh, I wanted to go back to BIP6 for a minute, and I have one uh, short clarification question about something Publius said in the chat earlier, and then one like slightly longer question about it. The, the clarification is, you said that, uh, I think you said that the pod clearance time would be lower, but then there was some confusion about whether you meant that the, that it would slow down or speed up. That's the, that's the first quick question. The expectation would be that uh, given a similar amount of expansion in the supply of beans, we would expect the seasons to pod clearance to decrease. Like apples to apples, this will cause there to be less soil, and therefore it will cause there to be less pods, and therefore it will cause the seasons to pod clearance to be lower. Okay, got it. Thanks, that, that helps. Um, then the, the uh, slightly more philosophical question maybe is, uh, when you were discussing kind of the rationale behind it and uh, wanting to basically use it as a mechanism, make it, make it more efficient and stable in the long term, it all made total sense to me. But uh, it also seems like there's a factor right now of just the viral nature of protocols in cryptocurrency where, you know, when people hear about uh, you know, it's the FOMO thing when people hear about exciting opportunities and big returns and, and stuff heats up and the, you know, word of mouth spreads, then that is a valuable, you know, sort of quantity to the the protocol, the growth of it as well. And so it seems there is some of that going on right now with, with growth and excitement around it. So I'm just curious how you factor that into a decision that might sort of slow things down or, or sort of decrease some of the heat in the system if if you even accept that that is what's going on right now um in, in in favor of uh a kind of a more sustainable rational you know long-term picture so we would argue that more regularly the beanstalk cools off the better and so endedly the soil isn't going to do that much to have beanstalk cool off the short term, it's going to help Beanstalk to leverage over the next couple of weeks in a more elegant fashion. But we are thinking about uh, potentially efficiency improvements to uh, have Beanstalk spend hopefully a lot more time closer to a dollar or on both sides of the dollar, potentially. And at least for a short period of time to have the system cool off. And so right now you ask yourself, well, why is the price so high? Uh, the price is so high because there aren't enough sellers uh, who are willing to sell their beans uh, at a dollar, at a dollar five. And accordingly, Beanstalk continues to increase the supply and the price is regularly coming below a dollar, you know, maybe once a day or so. But it's not able to... Uh, to, to when it's faced with such excess demand, the current model isn't able to, to regularly bring the price down without radically increasing the supply, which is 
not not helpful in terms of long-term sustainability. So one one idea we've been thinking about is, well, where could we potentially introduce supply on Uniswap uh, in a way that isn't infl inflationary to, to the bean supply? And so currently the vast majority of beans uh, are in the bean silo. They're deposited beans. And so we're thinking that if we add the ability to convert deposited beans to deposited LP without adding additional Ethereum, that will allow uh, a large percentage potentially of the 30 million plus deposited beans to get converted into LP. And the rule will, will, that will be enforced by the contract is you can only convert uh, beans into ETH without adding additional ETH. Uh, excuse me, you can only convert beans into LP without adding additional ETH uh, if the price is greater than one. Uh, and another rule we're thinking about specifically is uh, you can only do it if the price is greater than one and the TWAP of the last season was also greater than one. So there, there, these are still things that we're thinking about at the micro level on how to make the rule the best. But in general, allowing uh, silo beans to be sold immediately when the price is above one should increase liquidity and should increase the ability for Beanstalk to return to the peg, at least until all of the currently deposited beans are converted into LP, which uh, given the current uh, amount of beans in the liquidity pool and the beans in the silo, uh, that should be sufficient to cause a significant cool down in the system, which we think would be very healthy at this point in time. Now, obviously, Getting that BIP out is still at least a couple days away, given how we're talking about it, and uh, then it would be probably a week to pass. So uh, this isn't happening necessarily anytime soon, but uh, with the soil BIP we do intend to propose in the next 24 hours or so, hopefully that will cause a uh, an increase in the rate uh, at which the pod line is is coming. To, excuse me, the pod rate is coming down. So. Beanstalk will start to deleverage more aggressively. And then in a week or two, uh, if we can get a convert uh, BIP going where you can convert deposited beans into deposited LP, uh, that should increase stability as well. Uh, and we're thinking about uh, that there should probably be a sister function where when the price is less than one and the TWAP is less than one uh, over the previous season, that you should be able to go from LP back to deposited beans and to some extent, uh, that does create some sort of uh, uh, like unique way for LP providers and specifically just depositors in general to provide uh, some sort of leverage or increase or decrease the leverage of uh, their liquidity of the system, which is pretty neat. So right now, it would be that the system is a little highly leveraged uh, on that on that spectrum. But hopefully, if, if that rule gets implemented, uh, the high rate of silo beans to LP uh, beans uh, will come down significantly. I think that sounds like a great, great idea. Personally, uh, I have a lot more in the silo than I have in the LP, but part of that is because I just had a sow. Uh, I just had a harvest, and it just seemed easier to put it to put them in the silo instead of to you know, add this ETH or sell for ETH. And so I think that that might be where other people are at too. And, and that would uh, 
help it bring it back to peg, and it seems like a really elegant solution. So um, that's very exciting. I think so. Um, okay, do we have uh, some other questions? Bernoulli Bean, I don't mean to bring you on the spot, but I think that you had a few questions uh, that couldn't be brought up last week. Okay, well, in the meantime, um, maybe we could chat, Publius, a little bit about um, where you'd like to see the community development going, um, you know, as far as, you know, looking at other successful projects um, that are really community-driven as opposed to, frankly, as opposed to product driven, um, you know, looking at not to throw any shade at things like uh, like Rome DAO or anything like that, but um, are there directions that you find um, you know exciting that you'd like to to encourage um, you know people to to go in, or uh, yeah, I just wanted to see you know I know that we've had some discussions of uh, second round of NFTs and things like that, but um, it'd be nice since we have so many new members maybe to uh, talk a little bit in that direction. So we want community to have a ton of fun with being stuck. And there's some natural marriage between protocol and the fun that can be had. For example, the first uh, Genesis edition of the Bean FTs, the only way you could earn one was by sewing beans. And that was greatly beneficial to Beanstalk and attracted a lot of sewers. And it seems like there's a Basically, all of the BNFT participants have now had their pods harvested, which is pretty cool. Uh, and and so the minted first debt cycle, the shirts, you know, that stuff's pretty cool in our opinion and fun for the community. And the volume has started to pick up on OpenSea over the past couple of days, as Beanstalk has started to pick up as well. And so has the minimum price for the BNFTs, which is pretty cool. So in general, when we see uh, the volume uh, and the floor price, uh, all that stuff picking up on the NFTs, that's pretty cool. Uh, we had been hopeful that there was going to be a winter BNFT edition, uh, but uh, both of the BNFT proposals that were made thus far failed. Uh, one received a quorum but didn't receive a majority, and the other received a majority but didn't receive a quorum. Uh, so uh, the holidays are still a couple weeks away, and we're still hopeful that something might be done. Uh, and we have calls with JWW uh, and or have you been uh, scheduled for later today uh, to hopefully figure out what to do there. Um, but, you know, that, that, along with many other things which are not directly protocol related to the to a large extent, uh, we're hoping to have the community really take the driver's seat uh, and dictate where things should go and how things should look and operate. And we're going to try to focus more on the protocol side. But in general, you know, consider this like a call to action to anyone that wants to get involved on the community side in whatever capacity you feel like is cool. Let's do it. You know, this is 
there will be funds in the Q1 budget, hopefully, and uh, we're excited to get things get things going in a more substantive fashion. Sounds great. Yeah, I think there's a lot of exciting directions we could take this. Um, and uh, oh, one quick other question for you is: I think a lot of us were really pleasantly surprised at the uh, the fall theme, the the kind of um, Thanksgiving style theme to the website when that dropped. Not to spoil any surprises, but is there any anything on there? I saw some some chatter in the Discord, uh, you know, in anticipation of a winter theme. Uh, can you give us any uh, any hints as to that? So we're not going to ruin any surprise, but uh, we we too have noticed the uh, fondness of the community of the seasonal seasonal website themes, and uh, you know we will hope to continue to deliver on that front. Uh, is what we'll say. So you're not not going to do something. <laughs> Okay, no. we have a new question this is, here. This is maybe the single area where we will not be full disclosure about the protocol just because it's fun uh, and it's nice to have a little bit of a surprise. But uh, yes, there there will be some sort of winter edition of the website. Wonderful. <laughs> okay, we have a question from TB3456. Bring him up. Okay, TB, you're invited to the stage. Hi, can you hear me? We can. Take it away. Well, thank, thank you for doing this. Uh, I'm, I'm driving, so this might sound a little bit weird. But um, I am a new member of the community. I am uh, so impressed and so thankful uh, for all the work um, everybody's put together so far. My question is about... Um, seeds uh, and LP tokens becoming tradable um, in, I don't know, exchanges or wherever. Um, how do you think, have, have you thought about how the tokenomics for that kind of thing would work and what kind of potential um, that would have? Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. So, stock, seeds, and silo beans, which are sort of the three parts of, of a deposit, if you think about it. When you deposit a bean in the silo, you get a effectively a slip, a credit, saying you deposited these amount of beans in this season, this is how much stock, and this is how much seeds you have on the deposit. And over time, we hope to have both deposit itself and all of the assets in the deposit, the stock, the seeds, and the silo beans, uh, tradable and fungible. So there's uh, a few minor unsolved technical details on the implementation. Uh, for example, currently liquidity, uh, you add an LP token to the silo, your stock and seeds are awarded based on the bean-denominated amount uh, of your LP tokens at the time you deposit. But the problem is, therefore, even within a season, those LP token deposits are not fungible in that case. So that's just one example of like a minor fungibility issue we're still working through. But in general, as the Stock Farms development team starts to grow, we hope to start to 
add fungibility and liquidity to all of those different parts of Beanstalk, which again are going to be the deposit slip for beans, the LP deposit slip, stock, seeds, silo beans, and potentially even deposited LP tokens. Awesome. Um, thank you. Just as a, as a quick follow-up, you know, usually tokenomics works in so many different ways. Um, they, I think the way at least it feels like it's structured is that we're always minting new beans, for example, or minting new seeds. So it's not like there's, a, there is the, 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 there's not, let's say, a limit to how much there will ever be kind of thing. How, so how do you see sort of like that aspect of it working or that's really not the purpose of it? And you can always, you know, that, that could be the thing is that's the purpose of making seats, for example, fungible is not that there is a limited amount and they go up and down in price kind of thing. I mean, how do you, how do you see that kind of uh, mechanism working in terms of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, just just generally the the specifics of the tokenomics. I'm just curious to hear any thoughts. I know this is not probably sure. something that we, we spend a ton of time on. So, the supply of stock and seeds is generally somewhat proportional to the supply of beans, and when we think about how the structure of stock and seeds and silo beans becoming liquid. The mechanism is effectively, as we have it envisioned, that there are going to be uniswap pools of bean stock and bean seed and bean silo bean, and you'll also be able to deposit the LP tokens for each of those uniswap pools in the silo. And our hope is that that will create an a market structure where uh, it continues to maintain that the only way to get stock or exposure to the upside of beans and bean stock is to buy beans first. And that will preserve the decentralization uh, of the stock uh, system. Got it. That's super exciting. And thank you so much for taking my question. Okay, I'm going to grab some questions um, from the AMA thread here. Mute for one second here. All righty. We have here from Bean Counter. Are solutions being considered to mitigate the gas wars that will result from very competitive soil? Or is competitive soil not seen as a huge issue for the protocol? So, competitive soil is a great thing for bean stock. Uh, it is an expensive thing for people that want to try to get a piece of the soil. And we understand that that's sort of expensive. And someone in the Discord did send, like, Beanstalk is in the top 25 or was at some point in the top 25 of uh, protocols that were burning uh, ETH in failed transactions, which is pretty brutal. 
But in general, that is a function of the structure of the Ethereum network, and uh, there's not much we can do on that front. But uh, the fact that there's so much demand for soil is exciting and is an indication that you know, the protocol is heading in the right direction. But unfortunately, that does result in the spirit of the free market of beanstalk, the, the excess demand for soil. It does make sense that people have to be willing to pay a premium to try to get it. Okay, that makes sense. Um, there was another question there. Uh, assuming the ether goes into a bear market, how would that affect the value of, um, of of Bean? And if you could just talk about an ether bear market a little bit. Definitely. Uh, this is a, an important thing to understand about Beanstalk, which is the main thing that will determine how Beanstalk is affected is A, the magnitude of the drawdown in the Ethereum price, uh, B, the speed at which the drawdowns occur, and C, and this is what's ultimately most important, where Beanstalk is in its growth cycle. So if Beanstalk, ha excuse me, if Ethereum had a 80% drawdown when the bean price was at 24 cents or 40 cents or 80 cents or even a dollar when it was just recovering and there still wasn't a lot of demand for beans even at a dollar, that could have been really brutal for Beanstalk. Uh, but at the same time, like right now, uh, if if Ethereum crashed 20% over the next 24 hours, uh, we would feel very confident that Beanstalk would still be at at least a dollar. And, you know, over the past week, Ethereum did crash multiple times, more than 7 or 10% uh, in a very short period of time. And in basically every instance, Beanstalk maintained its peg. So over time, we hope, especially as Beanstalk deleverages, uh, that will become less of a risk factor. But in general, that, that remains a risk factor if there's a perfect storm where Beanstalk is at a high debt level, at a bad portion of its debt cycle, and then ETH comes down with the whammy, which to some extent is what happened during the pump and dump where you did have a major drawdown in the ETH price, which did make the, the, the volatility on the downside even worse during the dump. Uh, so uh, Beanstalk has experienced that to some extent in the past, but going forward, especially given the large amount of demand for beans above a dollar, we are optimistic that there will be a lot of demand for beans below a dollar in, in an instance where ETH has significant drawdowns. And maybe, maybe the only other thing to add is the idea to convert back and forth within the silo uh, from LP to bean uh, would also add a lot of resilience to a drawdown in the ETH price. Okay, I think that really that really helps. Um, I have a question here from Burnt Forest. This is a follow-up question to making stock or seeds tradable. What would the benefit be to having those traded? It seems like this would create an extra, extra complexity to the system without necessarily benefiting the goal, which is a stable coin. So... Ultimately, a more efficient market, the more efficient the market is around bean stock and beans, the more stable the bean price. And so by having a diverse infrastructure and ecosystem of not just beans, but stock, seeds, and silo beans that are all liquid and all are priced independently uh, by the market and are all structured in a way where the main venue where the price is reflected 
is going to be a way that directly affects demand for beans, we should create, uh, especially when you imagine what other protocols will be built out on top of not just beans, but stock and seeds, like the ability to borrow stock or borrow seeds. Uh, there's a massive amount of stability that will come from complex financial instruments being developed on top of a complex ecosystem that is in stock when all of the assets are more fungible and, and liquid. And that's one of the things that really differentiates Beanstalk from other stable coin protocols, which is it benefits from uh, making everything liquid. And that's reflective of the fact that the core economics are uh, generally all designed to bring the returns that are currently uh, like negative carry costs in the existing stable coins and turn that into positive carry costs. Okay. That, I think that was a good way towards answering, answering that. Um, do we have any people, any hands up here? Let me get back to the questions. We have a question here from Divs saying, what do you think about the idea of adding an option to choose to automatically LP when sowing? I'm assuming they mean upon harvest. So, upon intended there. The, the short answer is that is difficult because it would require our account to be updated and transactions to be affected on the Uniswap pool, and that might have to happen across a ton of different accounts if there's a large sow, or excuse me, a large harvest. And that could increase the cost of the sunrise function dramatically. But when we talk about infrastructure being built out on and around Beanstalk, there's an opportunity for a smart contract that could be open source that could potentially allow people to easily uh, farm their stock or uh, claim and an LP uh, harvestable pods when appropriate. So uh, that that does to some extent depend on uh, your own security apparatus and infrastructure, uh, but a lot of that can be facilitated uh, to some extent. But it doesn't necessarily need to be part of the Beanstalk contract itself, if that makes sense. Okay, we're looking for more questions now. You have a hand. Humble Farmer coming up again? Or not, hum sorry, <laughs> TB. All right, TB. You're muted. Let's see if I can unmute you here. You'll Hi, have to unmute thank yourself. you. Okay, we can hear yeah. you. Okay, awesome. I'm still driving. <laughs> um, there was a question in the in the community, and I'm just uh, kind of bringing it up again. I think it was about the price oracle and how it's uh, dependent at the moment um, on USDC. In some ways, you know, we're talking. We are obviously trying to be a a a decentralized stablecoin, 
and I think it's interesting the way we did it, and I actually really like it. But I think it's it's helpful to ask, you know, tomorrow that's a risk as well. What if something happens to USDC? Um, are we have we thought of alternatives and what we would do from the? I mean, I think that's just a helpful topic for especially new folks like me to understand. Um, because it's not obvious when you first come in uh, that that's how it kind of works. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for taking my question again. Fabulous question. One of the most important aspects of the Beanstalk Price Oracle is that it is constructed in a way such that operators of USDC or any other centralized first-generation collateralized stablecoin operator uh, such that they don't have the ability to censor Beanstalk in any way. So uh, a more simple implementation of the main incentivized pool would be Bean USDC. But in that instance, that would give the providers of USDC the opportunity to uh, ban or blacklist uh, the pool address and effectively kill uh, Beanstalk or kill that pool at the very least. And uh, Beanstalk accordingly builds the main oracle or the main exchange where beans are traded and the price oracle gets its price is against Ethereum, which is the most uh, decentralized uh, asset on Ethereum uh, in general from a couple different aspects. So the only exposure that remains to USDC is if USDC failed to hold the price, its price at a dollar. And to some extent, that is true that that is a risk vector that exists. And if USDC failed to maintain its price at a dollar for an extended period of time, that would distort uh, the bean price oracle. But in such an instance, Beanstalk could easily pivot to another uh, USD stablecoin that also benefits from uh, arbitrage opportunities created by its collateralized nature. And the reason we decided on USDC is because it appears to be of the the collateralized stablecoin options uh, the most uh, likely to actually uh, have collateral uh, backing it and offer uh, arbitrage opportunities to regularly return the price to one. And uh, that is not to say that if USDC faltered in some capacity, uh, we couldn't migrate the main pool to a bean tether pool, for example, or even a bean die pool if necessary. But a bean die pool would be suboptimal in the sense that, uh, again, we wouldn't want to have a bean tether pool directly either. But the question is now whether we're creating a price oracle based on the bean ETH and then proportionally against the die. ETH or the Tether ETH pool. So then indirectly you can get the price of a bean uh, or the price of a US dollar um, the price of Tether or the price of DAI potentially. So there's a lot of options here but for the time and you can also potentially go to multiple pairs. So you could do an average of the ETH USDC and the ETH Tether pools to get a, a potentially more accurate price for a dollar. So there's a lot of different ways to go here, but for the time being, uh, we do feel this is a very robust and, and sufficiently robust uh, oracle. Okay, that's a great answer. 
Um, I have a quick follow-up uh, sent by Stolen Hamburger. He says, uh, what if the SEC clamps down on all centralized stablecoins? In that event, what do we use as an oracle? So, uh, there's a couple things to be said here. One is, even if they clamp down, uh, it seems to us impossible that there's not going to be any dollars issued on the Ethereum network. Uh, and all that is really the only thing that's required is for any of those uh, stable coins to be trading on Uniswap. And so sort of by definition, if any of those stable coins exist in any capacity, we would expect them to trade on Uniswap against Ethereum and therefore be that wouldn't necessarily be a risk factor. And in the instance where it is, uh, you know, this isn't a problem that we've spent that much time thinking about because we think it's uh, not realistic as a as a risk or, or, or a large or a high probability risk in the short term, meaning the next couple of years. Uh, but there's a lot of different ways we could innovate the price oracle further that, uh, that would help Beanstalk get an accurate price for a dollar. But you know, this is already a great case scenario where if all the other stable coins have been regulated out of existence, uh, you know that hopefully means that Beanstalk is the dominant stable coin of DeFi at that point in time. Yeah, I could see that being a huge opportunity for us. Um, and there's always there's always a clever way to have an oracle, like you said. Um, JWW, we have you up on stage. Um, yeah, apologies. I was again. I think Dumpling. I was trying to raise my hand, but uh, it seems like oh, the no. option is to. To jump Come on up. We, we're eager to hear about uh, NFTs. <laughs> Talk to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that'll be a follow-up um, after this. I think we'll be shooting some stuff out in Discord, I think. Um, but just on the in terms of the pricing oracle and switching it over, Publius, um, I think maybe even just to bring more reassurance to the team or even clarify, um, should that have to, have to happen where um, you know we uh, decide that we have to convert over to working with a different, um, different stablecoin, um, how quickly can we make that kind of a switch with the price oracle? Um, I'm just kind of bringing this up in reference to the recent BDP um, because I, I do think that's a reflection of how strong the community is and, and in terms of backing it and making these kinds of conversions. Um, and maybe it will help the community feel a little bit more assured um, knowing that you know there isn't going to be like some kind of attack or some kind of failure in terms of USDC wouldn't be debilitating um, you know, given what we've seen. The short answer is it would be trivial to change uh, from the USDC ETH pool to the Tether ETH pool. And if it were negatively, significantly distorting the bean price or the state of the bean system, the, the system could be paused until a BIP is, is passed. But candidly, don't, we don't expect the distortion on that price to be significant enough. And if it is where you have a real drastic change in the price of USDC, where it's like it's crashed and it's lost its peg. Uh, I think being stuck in the community could respond you know, within a couple of hours, in theory. Thank you. Okay, I have a uh, question from Bean Counter. I'm going to read here. And just, just to close that out, you know, Beanstalk can be paused immediately with a supermajority vote. And so if, if shit was really hitting the fan, 
If two-thirds of the stock voted to pause Beanstalk, when Beanstalk is paused, the season, the TWAP is won until Beanstalk is unpaused. So you could potentially, in theory, immediately uh, you know, sort of pause Beanstalk and make sure that it wasn't exposed to whatever's happening to USDC and then get a fix up in the next couple hours. And, and then, you know, it would take 24 hours for the BIP to pass. Okay, thanks for the add-on. Um, okay, so we have Bean Counter here. This has been raised a couple of times in the Discord on the Econ channel. Um, this is in relation to the, kind of the gas wars because of the scarce soil. Uh, he's saying in periods of scarce soil, uh, you could bid to burn. Could you bid to burn X stock per bean sowed? Get to sow beans based on the, the amount of stock they're willing to burn, kind of Dutch auction style. This way, gas costs are minimized and bots aren't rewarded. So, really, this is just talking about if you if you could offer to burn your stock or your seeds in a bid for soil. Um, this is kind of a economic proposal from Bean Counter. Could you talk a little bit about about that off the top of your head? So, ideas like that. It's not to say that they wouldn't work or improve. Uh, efficiency of bean stock in general they're a little bit complex both to implement and economically on their effect and in general we've tried to create bean stock in a way that is incredibly simple uh almost stupidly simple so it has very few things it has to consider and make a, an educated decision on and accordingly those types of ex especially complicated rules which don't actually benefit ability for Beanstalk to really maintain its peg, it might just uh, help uh, existing uh, silo members participate in the lending, which again doesn't, certainly wouldn't improve the efficiency of the lending market, and if anything, it would make the lending market less efficient because new lenders are at a disadvantage. So things like that need to be very closely considered before the changes to the overall mechanism are implemented, and instead we feel like minor tweaks, like slight changes to the soil or, uh, or or the ability to convert within the silo that are very pointed in particular, I mean, not general changes to the mechanism or, or what's appropriate at this time. And uh, it seems like we lost Dumpling for a sec, so, uh, oh, here he is, wonderful. We thought we lost you, Dumpling, so welcome back. You did for, you did for a second, but I'm back. Um, that that's a very good answer. I, I hadn't even thought about that sort of insiders club aspect that you could have, if if you could keep bidding because of your existing stock and seeds, and new people would never be able, to, you know, it'd be harder for them. They'd have to first go through the process. You know, I think that's you have to, yeah, you have to be careful about about these. But it is fun to explore those things. Um, so thanks, Bean Counter, for that. Uh, Publius, yeah. I had a question. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, additionally, like that type of change would require sort of like an auction period for each window of soil, and that, again, would change the entire structure of the first-in, first-out mechanism. Like these types of changes that people, you know, in general, we're very interested in what people uh, want to change in the protocol, but we just want to caution uh, 
against making changes that are all of the implications of of which are not fully hashed out and considered and that is where we get into the realm of uh on the technical or the economic or both uh we can get into trouble understood thanks for that a quick question i had um that i've been thinking of since we've had a couple of missed quorums both in the bips uh and on the snapshot votes is and we never had before, so I'm wondering if maybe all of the new new folks who have come to Beanstalk, you know, aren't voting as much. Have we thought about any potential potential remedy to that if that keeps happening? There's some things that seem quite like they have very good support, like the Bean Marketplace. Uh, looks like it might not pass, and so Pod that, that's a concern. Uh, Pod Marketplace, yes, of course. Uh, so that's uh, you know a potential concern. And I wonder if you uh, if Publius had thought about that at all. Definitely. So just to clarify, none of the BIPs have failed to reach a quorum in the sense that because you can only vote four, uh, BIPs either reach a majority or they don't, um, but there's not necessarily a quorum because you can't vote against. A snapshot proposals are different in the sense that you can vote no, so you can have a quorum, which according to the, this was defined explicitly in the BIP-1, which created the budget, that quorum for that round of proposals for all of BIP-1 would be 33% stock. Uh, it seems like as stock continues to get diluted, uh, people are potentially less uh, able to pay attention regularly to especially small allocations. So, for example, for Q1, thinking about introducing some sort of tiered uh, quorum depending on the allocation of the proposal uh you know there, there may be a very low quorum or you know if it's on the order of a few thousand beans there may not need to be a a, a snapshot proposal at all uh, because in order to have beanstalk farms really start to operate uh, much more quickly uh you know it doesn't necessarily make sense for there to be a couple day proposal for every every small check that needs to be made Got it. Okay, I'm looking for more questions here. And if anything, that's sort of in, in line with the vision of funding independent development teams. You know, the silo funds them, and then the development team is sort of independent there, thereafter from the silo. Okay, I'm looking on the AMA board. Looks like we don't have too much more. Does anyone uh, have any more questions? That raise your hand. We're closing in on the two-hour mark, so we understand if people are running out of gas here. But uh, <laughs> we'll we'll leave a few more minutes for people to come up with questions. Uh, but just to kind of start to to wind this down, uh, make sort of a final call to action. We're thrilled by the amount of people that were throughout this AMA and uh, popping in and out and then here for the, for almost the entire AMA and that is great indication to us that this, this community and this protocol is heading in the right direction and so uh, it's very exciting to see many of your being PFPs 
and we're just thrilled by the community that is forming. And if you feel like you want to take a more active role in the development of Beanstalk in whatever, in whatever, literally whatever role you feel like you can add the most value, uh, I can almost promise you there is a role and an opportunity available for you here. And we are trying to grow the team uh, quickly and aggressively with really high quality, intelligent, curious people that really care about the success of Beanstalk. And, uh, you know, this is making sure that we're able to uh, build a, a high quality, decentralized Beanstalk Farms development team, and then hopefully further expand having multiple independent development teams. That's going to be essential to getting Beanstalk to a place where it is sufficiently decentralized and no longer dependent on, on Publius to sustain. Certainly. And I think we're starting to have that really good energy with a lot of uh, folks who are joining um, and who have, who have been here for a long time, but maybe who are just starting to kind of uh, step into roles. So I think that's really exciting. Um, okay, Rubisco, we have you back. Hey, thanks. Thanks. Um, I feel like I'm that kid in class that's like sitting in the front row raising his hand over and over. But I am excited about <laughs> That kid always I'm gets an A. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, so, uh, yeah, maybe just to yeah, play, you'll, you'll get some Rubisco some of the merch, hopefully. I'll take it. I'll Absolutely. Take it. With that cute dog. Okay, what's your question? So, um, yeah, guys, just kind of like going off this the thread that you're winding up with, with the, the community energy and the excitement around it. I'm wondering if uh, Publius can say anything definitive about the, like the adoption rates lately. Um, Cause it's kind of hard without doing a deep dive to get anything super specific about the number of people. There's, you know, there's unique sows that you have on the graph on the website and then like Dex tools has number of holders, but it's a little hard to triangulate a more specific number so anything that you could say about that also helps us kind of spread the word and generate excitement to people we know um, when we can say hey you know things are really starting to take off well the it is hard to some extent to give you a great estimate uh, but uh, one thing we would definitely say is if you look at the uh, data for unique sowers, which is the last chart uh, in the field section, you can see that actually over the past uh, couple of days to a week, there's been a major uptick in new sowers. So when you see the curve start to go from like gradually increasing to what looks like exponential growth in the number of unique wallets lending beans to beanstalk, uh, that's very encouraging to us. Does, so, does a number? So oh, sorry, uh, I'll just uh, ask a question. Um, does the number of holders listed on Dex Tools, for in instance, um, is that a useful number? Because it's like that might may or may not mean holders and sowers, or they are mutually exclusive, or people that are holding but not sowing. So it's like, what do we do with that number? So it is, um, you know, a little bit frustrating that, you know, that problem is only people who are holding beans. And given that there is not much utility for actual the bean token right now, that the number of holders of the bean token are much lower, of course, than the number of uh, 
you know, farmers to have invested in Beanstalk. So, um, you know, and we do not have, you know, as I'm sure you're aware, we don't have a any graphics about the silo side of things so far. Now, this data is available open to the public in our subgraph. And if anyone is interested in, you know, doing any sort of dashboard or any sort of, you know, analytics on the subgraph, we're happy to help anyone learn how to query the subgraph and get this data. And on our end, we will try to find, um, you know, at least some way to give you guys an indication of the number of holders in the silo over time. Um, but, you know, as an example, just for what's possible with the subgraph, you can query all the stock by account. And it'd be very easy to kind of throw that into a pie chart. You can query all the deposited LP by account. You can query pause by account. And all these things are available in the subgraph. And it's a little bit frustrating because, um, you know, the community is generally just the, the general crypto community is more familiar with, um, you know, using June analytics to create these dashboards. But because Beanstalk implements EIP 2535, um, June analytics has, you know, said that they don't support that standard yet. So that's why we've kind of tried to, you know, take the approach of trying to create a subgraph, um, that has all this information to allow community members and farmers, um, the opportunity to try to build these dashboards using those. So, um, you know, just if anyone is interested in that, please feel free to let us know. We have a subgraph channel and you can start dropping questions in there. Thanks a lot, guys. I think that would be very exciting if we could get, um, you know, I, of course, I'm familiar with doing analytics from other projects. And uh, if we could get something kind of similar um, and get a community member to build it out, that would be amazing and i'm sure we could get them get funding for that too so um i'd be happy to help someone write up a proposal if they want it if, if anyone here is uh is so inclined um okay well as i think we are closing in on the two hour mark thanks so much for everyone for being and for staying around i'm sorry if i missed any questions but um, we'll do another one of these, and also I'm sure Publius can answer a few of these if there are any lingering ones in the uh, AMA uh, questions. Um, yeah, any last words, Publius? Uh, we would just kind of reiterate that given the explosion in activity in the Discord, we're not able to read everything, and so if there's something that we need to see urgently, hit us with a tag. Uh, and that'll help us or shoot us a DM or something like that. But uh, we're really excited at the growth of the community. And you know, our commitment is to, to you guys to making Beanstalk just everything that, that we hope it will be and really change the game in DeFi across the board. Thank you all for coming and thank you all for being just amazing, amazing young community. Have a, nice, have a nice rest of your day. And last, last thing I'd mention, we do have one other event. Um, the Anyone who wants to come on uh, Thursday for the DAO meeting, uh, there is a DAO meeting. Is it, Publius, is it 8.30? Uh, yeah, uh, 8.30 Eastern, but it should, uh, based on the Discord events, it should adjust to your local time. And other just housekeeping items, there are some outstanding proposals. The pod marketplace proposal, which again is free to vote on, uh, is about to expire. And uh, the Beasley uh, 
uh, hiring proposal is also live. We would encourage everyone to vote on those. And uh, there are a couple of BIPs live. Also, the soil BIP will hopefully go live soon, and we would encourage everyone to take a look and consider voting for those. And uh, we will uh, talk to everyone soon. Okay, thanks, everyone.